Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to Bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. Jay, how you doing? Great, Michael. How are you? Much better than I was yesterday. I know you <laughs> we, are. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't go into the ever so messy details of what I've been dealing with for the last two or three days, but I will say this. If you really want to know, listen to my other podcast, Three Sides of the Coin, next week. It's all about it. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I talk all about it. Okay. All right. Um uh, so before we get rolling on everything, um, let me, what am I looking at here? I'm following my show notes up here. Um, huge shout out and thanks to Bruce and everybody over at HypeBot.com. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for everything you do to continue to support the show. Um, and of course, Bands in Town, which actually, I believe next week, yeah, next week, yes. we've got John, John from Bands Ostrom. in Town on it. I'm looking forward to that. It's always good to catch up with John. Yeah, it's been a while. And see what's happening in the Bands in Town world. Um, but we've got a couple sponsors that we want to show some love to right now. Bandzoogle, thank you so much. Built by musicians for musicians, Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. <laughs> we were just talking Don't about that. Started. Yeah, let's not get started on that. Um, all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, hosting, and a custom domain name. Dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merchandise commission-free. They've got uh, fan club subscriptions that are commission-free. They've got crowdfunding tools. Now that Pledge Music is in the history, is in the dust, has been buried, there's crowdfunding on Bandzoogle, and you would do it commission-free. Um, they've got mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters course social media integrations and amazing live tech support from their musician friendly team seven days a week music biz weekly podcast listeners listen up here head over to bandzoogle.com try it for free for 30 days and use our promo code music biz weekly no spaces all one word music biz weekly and you'll get 15% off the first year of any subscription. You and I have both used Bandzoogle. It's, still do. It's a great yep. platform for... Big fan. Uh, listen, the, still to this day, I mean, we're decades into the internet, and there's still people who have no understanding of what they need to do to get a website built. Head over to Bandzoogle. It is a simple process to get you started. Yep. And promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY will get you 15% off your first year of any subscription. Um, and shout out to discmakers.com as well for sponsoring the Music Biz Weekly podcast. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small. Selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs has become an important income generator. has become an even more. We've always said it was important. But nowadays, right. it's even more important that when you're at your shows, selling merch, physical merch, T-shirts, CDs, vinyl. Um, for every CD you sell at a gig, you could roughly need 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. And that's a lot of streams, and that's a tricky world to get into, figuring out how to get those streams. And we talk about that with our guest that's coming up later in the yeah. show. Um, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So here's the deal we've made for the Music Biz Weekly listeners. Head over to DiscMakers.com, order 100 or more CDs, use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you will get free shipping on your CD order up to a hundred and fifty dollar value. That's nothing it's to, good. It's nothing to sneeze at. One hundred fifty bucks right. in free shipping. Um, so again, head over to discmakers.com, put in your CD order of a hundred or more, uh, 
and honestly, everybody's going to need at least 100 CDs if you're doing some shows. Um, use code FREEBIZ and get free shipping on that order. Thank you so much to DiscMakers.com. Um, I want to do a really quick mention. If you're listening to us on Spotify, hit that little follow button. Sort of just like the way it works on YouTube. If you hit the follow button, you'll never miss another episode when it gets uploaded on Spotify. Um, Jay, we've got an amazing returning guest. Yeah, Always we we have, great conversations we, with this guest. We have a great guest today. We have Ari Herstand. You probably know him from Ari's Take. He's got a, a new book out um, that's fantastic. Here, I'll hold it up here. How to Make It in the New Music Business, second edition. Yeah, second edition. I mean, this this is a big book, and it's full of a lot of great uh, advice and guidance. And it's all from experience. That's what makes it a little bit different than most, is that um, Ari doesn't talk about he lives things. lives and breathes it. Unless, yeah, unless he's done it. And uh, he he's uh, a musician. He's a writer. He also, uh, you know, helps musicians um, by training them. He's got kind of the Ari's Take Academy uh, where you can kind of take classes and some of the things that we're talking about here. But it's all about, you know, educating yourself, which we talk about here a lot. It's all about knowing your audience. And one thing that we talk about today is that, you know, a playlist is not a marketing plan. And uh, I think it's a, a great conversation. Yeah, so let it roll. Ari Herstand and the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Today we have Ari Herstand. Um, we, you might know Ari from uh, Ari's Take, from his blog, from his books, from his public speaking. He's got a second edition out right here, How to Make It in the New Music Business. Uh, I love the last version. Uh, there's a lot of updates here, and we can uh, talk to Ari about it. Ari, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, it's great to be back, and I Thank love you. that you actually have the physical thing with you right there. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, you prepared. know, I love digital books and all that stuff, and I'm I'm a big fan of audiobooks. But something like this, this this is a beast, yeah. and it's one of those things that I encourage people to go through with a highlighter because this some of these areas you're going to know and like yeah yeah I got that I've been doing that for years. Some of these areas you won't know anything about, so it's different for everybody. So mm. I, I tell people just. Get a highlighter, go through it, take some notes. You know, that's why I like kind of this physical thing. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I'm a big fan of audiobooks too. That's why I push to actually uh, do the recording and be the reader for the audiobook oh, of this. It's your so, voice? That's, <laughs> that's my awesome. voice. I was in studio for seven, six <laughs> hour days, uh, but, you know, with the iPad right there and the microphone. And luckily there was uh, there was an engineer, director, producer who was kind of helping me through it. But yes, it's my voice. Lots of throat coat tea. I think I'm ready for a, a, an official endorsement from uh, traditional medicinals for this. You know, let, you let, 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 you know, as quick aside, let me ask you, as somebody who's a, a recording musician, how did yeah. recording an audiobook differ from recording an album? Night and day. Oh, my gosh. Uh, for one, I mean, you know, I am very comfortable singing uh, for long stretches of time when I'm in studio or whatever. Take after take is no problem. Speaking though, I, I don't think I speak properly. Uh, I'm sure there'd probably be some voice people out there to be like, "Oh yeah, no, you're all in throat right right now," because that that got quite tiring and taxing. And uh, and you imagine like it's just I'm in a dark room, just a, it's an ISO booth. There's a there's an iPad there, you know, and and I'm going. And there was one day I walked in. I think it was like day five or something like that. And and like an hour in. I was flubbing every other word left and right. I just I couldn't even see straight anymore. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. Uh, I got to take a break. And I went and passed out on the couch in the studio for like a half hour. I was like, I just needed a little a little power nap because uh, it, it was just it, it got I mean, yeah, it got it got awfully exhausting. Wow. That's crazy. I may have to get the audio book just to drive around with it. I did that with um, a while back. Rick Springfield put out a a book and I found that the audio book was actually I had both. The audio book was better because you got the subtle humor 
or mm-hmm. there's certain things that you you text. There's certain things that you just don't pick up on. Yeah. You know, when someone's being a smartass, not right. you would ever do that. <laughs> yeah, because you can. You, you know, I mean, you can as we as we all should know, you can easily add emphasis to the sound and the tone of your voice. You can't. Totally. It's it's hard to add emphasis in printed word yeah. other than bold face or italic <laughs> right right no for sure and I, yeah <laughs> i i mean and that's one of the reasons why i actually really loved reading it it was actually a lot of fun for me to read it because i could add that emphasis and i and i could uh get snarky here and there when i was meaning to get snarky <laughs> right right so you, so listen the the how to make it in the new music business the second edition came out november 5th so it's been out a little less than three months mm-hmm. um and i kind of looked at the inner jacket and it kind of talked about some of the things that you you were that were either new or updated one of the things that in fact it was the first bullet point best practices for growth on streaming services how has that evolved since uh since yesterday have you put this <laughs> right. since we've been on this right. conversation well it's yeah no I, I absolutely you know uh three years ago uh playlists were a thing um and obviously spotify playlists were a big thing three years ago when the first edition came out however entire industries have now popped up uh, within kind of the Spotify playlisting ecosystem, you know, just as a couple examples, I'm sure we've all heard of uh, Playlist Push or Submit Hub. Sure. You know, Playlist Push uh, started a couple of years ago. Submit Hub had been around, has been around for a little bit, but that has evolved. That started as just for blogs, and now it, you know, targets playlists. Um, those are just two of the many companies that are out there kind of doing this thing. However, it's not just really the playlisting game anymore. Um, I feel like we're now entering into a post-playlisting world in reality. And so what now I've been discovering is that uh, digital marketing, specifically Facebook and Instagram advertising, has become wildly effective. And I've uh, highlighted a couple case studies of artists who in, in the book who have done this very successfully, built their audience literally from zero to 500,000 monthly listeners and 100 million streams, uh, a real people, um, and, and tens of thousands of followers. Um, and uh, just from utilizing Facebook and Instagram advertising effectively. Now, uh, it, it's you know nuanced and, and challenging in the sense that you actually have to know what you're doing, and if you don't do it properly, it won't work. So you know, a lot of people come to me like, "Well, I've done fa- I ran Facebook ads; they don't do anything." I'm like, well, because you don't know how to run them, and it's just like I, I have case studies, multiple case studies now. Um, where people have done it uh, effectively. So, you know, I, I talk sure. about that. Um, yeah, it's, it's you know, playlisting, I, I mentioned, because that's still a thing, and it can be very effective at getting a lot of streams and, and monthly listeners. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, we have to remember, like, what is the ultimate goal uh, for us running a music career? It's not to get streams. It's not to get listeners. It's to get fans. Yeah. And so I think, like, we've lost track of that conversation um, and that understanding that, you know, we have become so obsessed with playlisting and it's just been like, yeah, and it's like the last few years, the entire industry is obsessed with playlisting. We're like, guys, let's take a step back and remember like, you know, playlisting, playlisting is not the end all be all. What we're really going for is how are we going to build a sustainable music career? And right. you need fans to do that. And so but that, they've missed that's that point, right? I mean, we always say a playlist is not a marketing plan, right? Absolutely. There's 100%. so much more to it. And it's about, you know, that relationship. What you've always preached is this engagement, this relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not me barking at you, buy my album, see my show, buy my album, <laughs> see my show. Right. It can't be one big long ad. I love these artists that pull you in to the conversation, yes. you know, and it's not always about their music, but by being engaged with them, it is about the music. Well, and that's the thing. The music is uh, kind of the, at the core of everything. Um, that's what we as artists uh, are obviously connecting to. And the reason we got into music and, and the music is the most important thing. Um, and that has to be uh, solid and strong. But that's just the first important thing. It's not the only important thing. Yes, it's very important. Obviously, it is what connects all of us. But, you know, people don't become fans of artists because of the one good song that they dig. They become fans of artists because of who they are and what they stand for. Right. And it's, it's they, they want to be part of a community. And they, they you know, artists are leaders. They want to follow these these leaders because they believe in them and it's not just because they wrote one cool song and they have a good voice and so i think you know a lot of artists and musicians lose track of that that it's not just about the music and it can't just be about the music 
if you want to actually build fans. And now that's the other thing when it comes to playlisting is a lot of fans these days uh, are turning to playlists just like they turned to radio in the past in the sense that it's very lean back. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes they don't know who these artists are, their favorite songs on the playlist. They love the playlist. They become a fan of the playlist. They're not actually becoming fans of the artists. And so, like, you know, don't be fooled when you go to somebody's Spotify profile and you see that they have, you know, 100,000 monthly listeners and they got maybe, you know, 20 million streams. That doesn't mean they have 100,000 fans right. or 20 million fans or anything like that. It means that these people, maybe their songs are included on a couple hot playlists and, you know, these people are, are enjoying their music on the playlist, but they might not know who they are. I've seen people with tens of millions of streams who cannot sell 50 tickets two. to the local shows. I have two. Uh, we uh, call them dry streams, you know. Yeah. Ari, yeah. do you think we, because as you were talking about this, I've, yeah. I've been involved with the Internet since 95. So the sure. dark ages, the birth of the Internet, when, sure. when, you know, having a website back then was sort of like playlisting now it was the hot thing everybody had to do it they didn't know why they were doing it but you got to do it um and then i i was working and came through the dot-com bubble that bursted do you think we are potentially in a quote playlist bubble right now we've got all these people that are that are scrambling and talking about playlists right and and as you were talking about they're like i just need to get listens 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 Back in the dot-com yeah. bubble, it was, I need eyeballs, eyeballs, eyeballs. Right. And we learned yes. back then, that's not a business. That doesn't You had a counter you. on your website that used yeah, to click exactly. People, 10, 11. I, I, you know, I think we all remember, you think back to Pets.com or Webvan, sure. who were just touting, we've got 700 million visits a month. And Wall Street finally said, but how much money is that making? Right, exactly. And then the bubble exploded. So in this sense, is playlisting mm-hmm. in a bubble where people are going to all of a sudden wake up one day across the board and go, you know what? It's not just about getting a playlist and a stream. Right. So playlisting has already evolved. And Spotify, um, you know, they got a little uncomfortable with how the whole playlisting game was being played uh, in the sense it's well documented that the playlist curators uh, for a while, uh, you know, were some of the most powerful people in the industry. And similarly, how they were treated by the label, by how radio DJs and programmers uh, were treated by the labels back in the day. That's how Spotify playlisters, curators were treated by labels uh, today. And Spotify was not very comfortable with that. Um, And they could do little to kind of shut that down other than evolve how playlisting works into uh, focusing a lot more on the algorithmic generated playlist versus the human curated playlist. Now, there are obviously still a ton of human curated playlists created by Spotify, by employees of Spotify. And uh, but they have kind of put up this this uh, wall but around all of the curators are like, you know what? Don't you're not allowed to talk to the yeah, labels. You can't anymore. get to you're them. not allowed to talk to the distributors can't or the inf- managers. You can't influence them. Right. And so, you know, but there are ways around that. And that's why these other industries like playlist push and whatnot have popped up um, to try and um, actually connect people and get songs on user generated playlists and the user generated playlists, uh, you know, that have become uh, fairly active uh, because, you know, a listen is a listen. However, uh, that has also evolved. And I actually don't recommend uh, playlist push anymore to people because we kind of got screwed over by them um, because uh, I ran a campaign and with them with my funk band. And, you know, uh, how how that system works is basically you select a few genres and then they'll connect you with the playlists. They have like 500 playlisters in their yeah. uh, curators, rather, in their network. Um, of just average users that have built up popular playlists and you select the genres and then theoretically they send your music to these uh, curators to listen to. They don't have to put it in. If they like it, they'll pop it in their playlist and theoretically you'll get a bunch of streams and a bunch of listeners. The the problem is um, a lot of these, you know, these playlisters get paid uh, if they include your song, they get like uh, ranked a little bit higher so they get more money. So it, it's actually financially beneficial for them to include your song. So my my funk band got included on um, a playlist that was featuring Avril Lavigne and Pink and all songs like that. And like we sound nothing like them. Right. We also got included on a, a 
boy bands of 2000s playlist. Uh, we got it, and we're like, we're not a boy band, and we're not in the year 2000. Um, <laughs> we got included on all of these random ass playlists, and y- you know what? It did generate a lot of streams initially, and then it fucked up our entire fans also like section and okay. everything else, and now. It screwed up the entire Spotify algorithm, and so it wasn't – it was like – it was messing up the Discover Weeklies. It was messing up – your fans also like. It was messing up radio. It was messing up everything. So I went to George, who runs playlists, and I'm like, yo, uh, this is what's happening. Please take us – like remove us from all these playlists immediately. Uh, Let's stop our campaign. Like this really messed us up. So I'm now seeing that it's just – it's not working on kind of in the the, – through the main door at Spotify or even through the side doors through these user generated playlists. And so is, is the bubble burst? I mean, it is evolving, uh, pretty rapidly. And so, you know, I still, there's a thing like you, you said it and I love that playlisting is, is not a marketing strategy. Um, but playlists should only really be one component of your entire rollout release strategy, yep. one component. There well, the problem be- with that, Ari, is everybody yep. wants the most they can possibly get for the least they can possibly do. They're looking for that silver bullet, right? <laughs> it used to be, yep. well, can't we just pay the radio guy and just, well, right. can't we just, you know, you've seen this all the time too. I have artists, managers mm-hmm. coming up to me and saying, look, we got, how can you help me? We need to get on this playlist. And the first thing I say is, well, wait a second. Why do you need to get on that playlist? Uh, what's it going to do for you? Yes. Yeah, let's yes. back up and look at your marketing plan. Who's your audience? Because yes. we find, and I'm sure you've seen this over and over again, there's more than one audience. There's an audience that is on your socials. There's an audience that's streaming, buying, downloading. Mm-hmm. You know, And then there's mm-hmm. this audience that when you're playing live, you look out into the crowd, and then there's an audience. Sometimes those audiences are very similar. Sometimes you'd be – well, you wouldn't be surprised, but a lot yeah. of people would be surprised that when you start looking at the data – Mm-hmm. You may not know your audience, right? And right. It's it's so key to know who your audience is so you can try to reach them. Yeah. No. Ab- absolutely. I mean, um, that's. I mean, that's a that's a really excellent point. And it's it's um, oftentimes that you know if if you do get on these hot playlists, like that may still not be your audience, even though they're your listeners. Um, because like, for instance, when our song got included on the pink and Avril Lavigne playlist, like they became our listeners, the people of that playlist, that's not our audience. <laughs> Let me tell right. you firsthand, like that is not who we're trying to target. That's not typically the people who will get into our music. And, you know, they were trying to game the system or whatever. Uh, it just doesn't work like that anymore. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it, I love that you do ask them why that's the most important question you can ask them. Why do you want to get on the playlist? And if they really break it down, they step back. It's like, oh, uh, well, what I really want is more fans. It's like, oh, that, that's actually, that's a different question. Work with that. That's exactly correct. And that's a different strategy. So like, I think we're, a lot of people are very short sighted. They hear playlists and then they see, oh, my friend got included on a, on a hot playlist and they got, you know, a hundred thousand streams in a week. Like I want that. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, but you know, Spotify will be actually be the first to say this. And they say this publicly. Um, they look at everything else that's happening in your career when they're going to consider you to include your song in an official Spotify playlist. So, you know, they like to see press. They like to see that things are happening. They like to see that you're touring or that you're playing shows like, you know, so when people say, um, that, uh, you know, well, press is dead and like, why do we need press? And, you know, it's like no one's turning to blogs anymore, a hype machine to kind of like see who's trending or, or discovering music. Like there is some truth to that. However, uh, press can be helpful to tell your story. So when new fans are Googling you and those articles pop up and they can read more about you and they're like, oh, wow, I'm learning about this artist through the lens of other music lovers. Um, yeah. But also Spotify curators, they like to see that you are focusing on things in your career as a right. whole. Um, yeah. And you have a great quote in your book. Um, I think it was Bill Gates where it was like, you know, if I had two dollars, I'd spend one on uh, on PR. Yes. I believe that. I mean, yes. you got to get the message out there. The number one reason why somebody doesn't buy the new Ari Herstand CD or mm-hmm. download or stream. The reason they haven't consumed that is a they weren't exposed to it or B, right. they didn't know it was out. Right. Absolutely. And that's you know, that's 
basic marketing 101. Yep. And the, the problem I find is that it's a shiny thing now. Everybody's so excited about, well, you know, I got on this playlist and I got all these streams and I did mm-hmm. this. It's like, okay, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. But there's not a ton of ROI there if that's what your game is. And right. if that's your game, you probably shouldn't be in the music industry. But if you really are looking to grow your audience, that's one of many, many touch points that you mm-hmm. need to be focused on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think, you know, um, people, even the industry, because a lot of people say, I need the numbers because uh, industry people will pay attention to me then. Um, and then I first say, okay, what industry people, who are you, <laughs> what industry people do you want specifically to pay attention yeah. to you? Because yeah. uh, there's a lot of industry people and like, who are you going for? Let's make a list. Let's break this down. So like, oh, I need a manager. Will any do? Any manager? Like just someone <laughs> who hands you a card that says I'm a manager and like, will they do? It's like, no, of course not. Like you want someone who's going to work with you and believes in you and understands what's going on. And like, yeah. once you kind of break it down, you go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's like, oh, this is the kind of person that I would like to add to my team as a partner. And then once you kind of frame it in that realm, you're like, ah, so I'm looking for team members who are partners. And, you know, these potential team members who are partners are going to understand if uh, you have 100,000 monthly listeners because you got included on one really hot Spotify playlist. And if you get removed, they can scroll down on your about section and see, wow, you only have 700 followers but uh, of Spotify followers, but you have 100,000 monthly listeners and you have 10 million streams. You don't really have any fans. So like when that Spotify curator decides to remove your song from that playlist, your 100,000 monthly listeners just went down to 700 monthly listeners if you're lucky. The, the, you know, yeah. the, the, the MySpace era of getting signed because you've got 10 million friends right. is long, long dead. The, la- the labels right. back then learned uh, that that doesn't sustain a career here. And mm-hmm. anybody of their worth in the industry can, as yes. you just said, look at the numbers and go, no, there's nothing real right. behind this. This was and, yeah. faked. Yeah, and not- most, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, absolutely. And, and most, most, uh, industry, <laughs> industry people, I love, we throw it around yeah. with like most people <laughs> that I, I most people that yeah. I know who work in the industry, whether you're in management or you're at an agency or at a label, um, they love music passionately. Uh, and they want to genuinely support artists. However, they want to see you live. And it's like, you know, yes, you might start with the numbers and you might look at just do a, a snapshot of looking at, you know, numbers. But at the end of the day, if they're going to work with you, they're going to want to connect with you live. And I think, unfortunately, we've lost track of that. Uh, too many young artists, especially, forget that you got to be able to deliver live yeah. if you want to work with people. Uh, and you want people to kind of work with you and take you seriously. And if you're so focused on just creating from your bedroom and gaming the system and working your streaming game or something like that, and you don't know how to perform, uh, that's okay. You don't have to, but then you just have to understand the reality that most people that who work in the industry, especially obviously at, at agencies, if, if you want right. to be playing live, they want to see you live and they need to know that you can bring it live. And they 100%. also want to see you know how to draw an audience. They, they, want, they want to see a line out the door yes. to get well, in. Well, that's right. Remember, Michael, we had a guy on the podcast, an A&R guy a while back. And we said, you know, like in, in today's digital world and you can look at everybody's social footprint and their insights from Spotify for artists and Apple Music for artists and all this data that's out there. You know, how do you find someone to sign? He goes, I look for a lineup around the block. There you go. <laughs> as, pretty as, easy. As much <laughs> as easy. everything has changed in the music business, the one yes. thing that is still the same as it was 40, 50 years ago is playing live and mm-hmm. selling tickets and drawing mm-hmm. fans to a show. That yep. still is exactly the same today as it was for Elvis Presley. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, because you can't, you can't replicate the f- the experience of a live concert. Like you can't do, if you got the VR headset on and you're trying to like go to a concert with VR, like how's someone supposed to hand you a joint? Right. Like, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, <laughs> a, a, a live concert is sort of, that's the actual last mile. That's the final conversion. That is yeah. somebody who's actually going to take a credit card or 10 bucks out of their wallet and spend mm-hmm. money on you. Yes. We, we we know that just because you're on a playlist doesn't mean any of those people are going to spend any money. 
Right. And this is this is one of the few areas uh, where people are spending money on music where it's actually going directly. They they believe the music, the money is going directly to the artist. Now that we're in streaming, when you pay Spotify ten dollars a month, that money, they're not paying it because they like these artists. They're paying it because they like the service of Spotify that gives them all the music they could want. But when they go to the concert, they're like, I'm buying a ticket to this concert because I love this artist. And they're actually, you know, stating that they love this artist with their money for this artist specifically. Right. right. Now, if I stream Ari Herstand 24-7 for a month, yeah. my nine ninety nine doesn't go to Ari. No. You and know? that that is why the uh, the 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 financial model of, of how streaming currently works is somewhat flawed uh, because there is an argument to be made that if you pay $10 a month and all you do is stream Ari Herstand, I should be getting that $10. But that's just not how it works. No. And unfortunately, that's just the system that's in place right now. Drake <laughs> and the are, chain are, smokers got some of your dough. Ari, are that's you right. in favor of um, changing that financial model so that your subscription money goes to the artists you actually listen to, not to the most popular ones in the whole world? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think everyone in music would be in favor of that. But unfortunately, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, they've they you know, their their model is pretty much ingrained. Um, now, I, I think it would take a, a pretty massive, serious uh, movement and pushback from collectively from the entire industry. I mean, the labels probably aren't in favor of that because they have the biggest market share. And because it's, you know, payment is based on market share, not based on individuals streaming your music, you know, because their market share is so big. They like that system, uh, I would imagine. But really, when it comes down to to fairness, um, and they probably would not be losing much money, and it probably would work out for them either way because their artists, if they're getting a bunch of streams, are going to get a bunch of money. And you know, the artists who are getting uh, streams from, you know, let's say you have uh, a thousand people. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that these thousand people listen to you uh, exclusively. For this month now, you know, and uh, you multiply that by 10. So that's $10,000 that this one artist maybe have made because they had a thousand people that listened to them uh, exclusively for that month. And now more realistically, let's say they listen like 20% of the time uh, to that artist this month because it's their favorite artist, but it's just a thousand people. Uh, so now it's really $2,000, which is substantial. Um, now, really, when you're looking at these thousand people streaming them, let's say they listen to 20% of the time. So let's say they each listened, uh, you know, maybe a hundred times because it's their favorite artist. Um, but a hundred thousand streams uh, for that one artist does not equal the two thousand dollars. When you really kind of break it down and, and get into the figures of how this this system could theoretically work, you then start to see it would very much benefit kind of the indie artists and the smaller artists. And uh, the system that's in place right now, a hundred thousand streams, is not making you much money right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you about is um, you offer private uh, kind of tutoring, training guidance for folks and you have classes. Right. And yeah. a, a friend of mine took one of your uh, courses on, uh, I, think, I believe it was Instagram. OK. And, and was just raving about how it helped him with his artist grow his audience. Cool. Um, are you doing that? across the board with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, that sort of stuff? Are you still doing that? So so what he's referencing is, is Ari's Take Academy. So I launched okay. uh, an academy, Ari's Take Academy, uh, about a year ago, uh, ATA. Uh, so I actually don't do private one-on-one -on -one consulting anymore. Um, it just got too busy for that. Uh, so yeah. what he took was uh, an Ari's Take Academy course, which is still available, and that was the streaming and Instagram growth course, and that's awesome to hear. He had a great experience. I mean, we have almost a 1,000 students in this course right now uh, who are all seeing um, incredible success with it uh, because it's basically teaching people how to utilize Instagram and Facebook ads. Uh, and I, I teach this course, uh, well, I should say this this course, um, one of the instructors is Lucidius, who's this hip hop artist who I uh, found because uh, he basically, uh, I heard his story or he told me um, what was happening and he built up his audience, uh, you know, to a massive point 
based on just utilizing Instagram and, and Facebook ads. And so I'm like, well, you're clearly an expert at this stuff. Why don't you come in and teach this? And that, that's that's the focus of Ari's Take Academy is I'm bringing in experts in the field who are working, actually gotcha. doing it right now, and they're teaching these courses. So like we're actually about to launch a course on breaking into China, on how to break um, artists and get into China. Um, and we have two of the foremost experts um, on the Chinese music market uh, teaching this course. I'm not teaching this course because I'm not an expert on, China, on the China music world, but these two are. Like one gotcha. of the guys who's teaching it, uh, he runs East Coast Global, which manages the accounts uh, for uh, like Carly Rae Jepsen, Will Smith, uh, Universal Records, Geffen Records. Um, wow. You know, his company does this. So he's clearly an expert at this stuff. He's teaching it. And then we also have a, a woman who's, um, She's a DJ, but she's also an artist manager. She's Chinese American. She lived in China um, for many years, toured China. So she's kind of she's also teaching it as well. Kind of the touring component of China has a lot of on the ground experience there and knows how all that works. So that's like the focus of Ari's Tech Academy for all the courses. I'm bringing in the experts to teach working professionals that we're our tagline is proudly unaccredited uh, because <laughs> we we're like we don't care about accreditation. Like that's not the purpose of this. Like this is not uh, Berkeley. This is not USC. If you know a degree is important to you and your parents, like cool, go get a degree. But I have found that a degree doesn't really help you in the in the new music business, uh, especially not as an artist. Um, and so like these are for working professionals that you can literally uh, apply these tactics that you're being taught and you're learning today. You can apply them today. Great. Uh, Ari, yeah. you've, you've mentioned a couple times, even at the very beginning, about Facebook ads and how Facebook ads yeah. and Instagram ads are really working right now. And, and you said effective Facebook ads. And right. I would love to get your take, uh, you know, at the simplest, what makes an effective facebook ad because i think i sure. like like you i've encountered a lot of clients who go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars and they get no results yeah. and they blame it on facebook and i sit back right. and re look at it and i go it's not facebook's fault you sort yeah. of to your point of you got your playlist in this boy band 2000 that's not your right. target <laughs> audience i'm yeah. looking at the facebook ads they ran and they targeted Anybody who likes a guitar. Yeah. And I'm just exactly. like, yeah, okay, but that could be country. That could be punk. That could be jazz. Right. You know, it could yep. be anything. You're, you're Americana, you know? So yep. what, what's your, what's your advice for effective Facebook ads? Sure. So, so targeting is just one aspect of how to, um, you know, set up your, your ads where they will be effective. And yes, you want to get uh, specific. It's a balance because if your target audience is too specific um, and, and too small, then let's say you're, you know, you're only targeting uh, 10,000 people in the world because it, your, your audience is so, so, so specific and nuanced, your, uh, your cost per click or your cost per, per mil for these ads are going to be insanely expensive. They're just not going to be effective. But then if your audience is so broad where you're targeting everyone who likes a guitar and you're targeting 300 million people, <laughs> like you're not going to find the people that are going to be your fans. So that's the balance of, of who you're targeting. And so what we do and uh, that the best way to do this is to run a bunch of different ad sets is what they're called, but basically a bunch of different audiences on who you're targeting and test them. And just, it, it, it's all about testing and trial and error. So like you can't just set something up and let it go and check in in a month. Like you literally have to be checking with this every day to see how they're performing and tweaking them and saying, oh, well this audience, this isn't working. Uh, so let's turn this one off. Um, but there are ways because let's say you think uh, an ad is working because you targeted 300 million people who like the guitar and you're like, oh, man, we're getting a bunch of clicks on this or whatever. It's like, oh, you might think that's working, but in the end, they might not be actually converting. Uh, maybe you're sending them to Spotify or something like that and you're not actually getting the, the conversions of the streams. You're like, huh. Why is this not working? So you really have to, to complete the entire flow and you want to look at the end and really understand what are your the metrics that you're measuring the effectiveness. Now, there are other ways. The targeting is one small component, but also there's what's called retargeting. And so that is based on people who have engaged with one of your ads. So let's say you're running a video and let's say this video is just a minute long and you're running a, a video. Now, you can now take of all of the people that you have uh, shown this video to, 
you can retarget to people who have watched this video, let's say 25% of the time. So now I only want to show this second video to people who have watched my first video 25% of the time, because you know, that first audience was intrigued enough to continue watching past the three seconds uh, when it flies through their newsfeed. So that now you're getting to an audience that was intrigued enough and then you can retarget them of the people who engaged with that video. Maybe only the people who watched it or commented or clicked or whatever. You can even go deeper. Uh, if you have an email list, you can upload your email list to Facebook and you can say only run ads to the people on my email list. So let's say you're running a promo, you're doing a Kickstarter campaign or something like that. And, uh, you want to just hit the people and remind them, you don't want to keep sending out emails. Um, you send the email, but then you show only the people on your email list, a certain ad and you can send them that there's those capabilities. Um, so th there's a lot of nuanced capabilities. Um, and you know, yes, demographics, and it's not just people who like a certain thing or like a certain artist or topic or, or whatever, you know, uh, obviously you can break it down by location, by ages, by all of that. Sure. But then you start to get what's called lookalike audiences. That's a whole other system where the lookalike audience is basically People, uh, you say, okay, of all the ones who engaged with my video, let's say two videos deep, we did 25% who watched this first one, let's do 50% of the people who watched this video. Now we have an audience who's like super engaged, they clearly like it, but let's say that's only 100 people. So then you ask Facebook, he's like, hey, can you find 50,000 more of those people who look just like these 100 people? And through Facebook, because Facebook knows everything about everybody, <laughs> they're like, why, yes, we can do that, and we will do that in seven seconds flat. <laughs> so right. it's kind of like they can find 50,000 people who look like those 100 people. And and then you say, all right, now show my this ad to these 50,000 people who I wouldn't even thought to target because they're not going to show up in any of the targeting that I would think to do based on favorite artists or guitars or whatever whatever, yeah. or location, but Facebook knows exactly who they are. They just match the profiles to the audience. So those are just a couple baseline that I can lay out for you in, in 45 seconds. No, that, 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 that's that's good. Works, but, that's good advice. Yeah. Because, yeah. because, because, you know, my experience is most people who do it on their own, just as you said, they set it yeah. and forget it. They come back 30 right. days later, they look at, they spent $500 and their yep. cost per click was $2.50. And they're like, right. this was terrible. Facebook ads does not work. Right. And, and you know, there, there's, right, absolutely. So this is something you have to tweak on a daily basis and monitor it and take a look at it. It's also what we've been finding as well is um, just understanding the demographics per platform. So, you know, Facebook, uh, if you're trying to engage teenagers, Facebook is not the platform that you should be focusing on because teenagers are not really living on Facebook like they did 10 years ago. So if you're trying to target an older audience, then Facebook is the platform where you can be focusing a lot of your efforts. Um, we have found that when you're targeting teens and 20-somethings, Instagram is actually a lot more effective at running ads. And so you can't just like use the Facebook ads manager and say, Hey, run this, this video, this square video everywhere that you possibly can. No, you actually want to design ads specifically for the platform. So for Instagram, so we design specific story ads that are vertical that are meant, you know, that are 15 seconds long because that's what the length of a story is on Instagram. And this, these vertical 15 second videos, we don't, sh we don't display them on Facebook in the Facebook newsfeed or anywhere else on the internet that Facebook might display their ads, we say only send this ad to Instagram stories. Obviously, don't even put it in the Instagram feed because that's not designed for that. We'll design a separate ad for the Instagram feed. And so you that you know that's even getting more nuanced, but understanding how people are engaging within the platform. We found with Instagram, you know, you need to um, you need to uh, get them in and, and excite them and interest and intrigue them within the first three seconds on Instagram, or they're going to swipe to the next story if these are right. Instagram story ads. And so, it's kind of something that like it just it, there's different etiquette and different ways of. Um, you know, usage per platform. And so, and with YouTube, similar kind of thing, like you have to understand how people are engaging with YouTube and with the platform. And so if you're doing a, a pre-roll ad, similarly, when that, that five second counter it, to skip the ad is starting to come up, how are you going to engage them within those first five seconds? Yeah. You know, th this all comes down to something you mentioned at the very beginning. You've got to know your audience. At, right. at, at the end of the day, if, 
you know, I, I think I wrote an article about this a long time ago, but it's like if I asked you right now, who's your audience? How many how many musicians actually could effectively answer who mm-hmm. their audience or is? Or accurately answer. Ac- accurately, because that right. information is out there. I mean, mm-hmm. the stats that all these services provide tells you a lot, but you yeah. should also just have sort of the pulse. If you're yeah. actively engaged in all of your networks, You'll understand who's answering, who's replying, who's liking, who's commenting, who's sharing. If you don't well, know who those people are, how yes. can you th- believe that you also can then go out and target them? Totally, and and that's a really important point. Um, it's you, it's the the setting it and forgetting it uh, that doesn't work if you're trying to build up an engaged uh, fan base. Um, and it, like one of the things that I was so impressed by Lucidius, uh, the hip hop artist I mentioned before, who built up to 500,000 monthly listeners and 100 million streams based on running Instagram and Facebook ads. He didn't do this just by running the ads. Now, running the ads was the first touch point which got him into his world. The reason they became fans was not because they saw one ad. The reason they became fans is because he responds to almost every one of them through so his key. Instagram DMs. When they send yeah. him a message on Instagram, and now mind you, it's not easy for him, and he he can't respond to everybody, but at least he tries to give some kind of acknowledgement to a lot of these people. But he has responded to thousands and thousands of people who then become super fans because he actually took the time to respond to them. Yeah, and uh, you know this is uh, that's part of the engagement, and it's Real understanding engagement. your audience. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like knowing what to post. Like when people say, "Well, I don't know what to I should post on Instagram. What should I post?" I mean, I'll be like, "I have no idea. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your personality." is or who your audience is or what you're going for, who your target demo is. There's different strategies on, you know, uh, just like there's different ways to make music. Like what kind of music should I make? Well, <laughs> like I'm not going to tell you what kind of music to make, right. but like similarly, like I can't tell you what to post until we totally identify what your main mission is and what you're uh, trying to reveal about yourself and trying to communicate to your audience and and who you're trying to connect with. That's going to determine uh, what you should and how you should engage with your audience. Yeah, it's got to be genuine because, you know, as a fan of other artists, you can tell right away when something's manufactured or if you're being right. sold to. And yep. those people that do it right, like one time Michael and I were talking about Alice Cooper and he was posting so much stuff about you know, haunted houses and these cool old cars from the sixties and stuff, his audience loved it. And there was engagement and there was, you know, communications within the people posting and then it rises up in the feeds. And next thing you know, Alice Cooper's top of mind, right? Yes. Yes. That's it's engagement. So that's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, that's the thing. A lot of artists lose track of, you don't have to just post about your music. You don't actually have to just post about when you're playing a show or you have a new song or video out. Um, if you understand your audience, you'll know when you post something that has nothing to do with your music and they start engaging with that thing. And you're like, oh, wow, like actually I can have some fun communicating and basically hanging out online with my fans and with my audience. That's a great point. It sounds pedantic, but do more of what's working and less of what doesn't like watch what you're posting and watch how your audience engages. If they engage because you put some inspirational quote or something about your charity that you're into or thing, your sports team that you like, man, watch what happens and then Mm -hmm. you can do more. I've I've always joked, post a picture of your puppy. If you want to see a million likes, because it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> sure. Sure. And I do, because I have a cute dog. Ari, we could sit here honestly and talk to you for the next eight hours, but um, we'd love to have you on again. I, I really think that anybody who's listening or watching should should check this book out. It's fantastic. Um, I'm not even all the way through it, Ari. There's, I may go through it again, because there's just so much stuff in here. But where can people find you? Um, yeah, I mean, you can find the book wherever you get, get your book. So if you have a local bookstore you want to support, uh, go ask for it there. Obviously it's on Amazon. Maybe check um, out that audio book. <laughs> yeah. Check out the audio book. It's on audible. It's, it's that. Yeah. If, if you haven't been annoyed by my voice yet, then maybe you'll be able to get to the next uh, 14 hours of, of my voice talking to you. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. We're talking about that. I'm just at Ari Herstand. Um, and then my blog is Ari's take.com and, uh, 
yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see you out there at a show online yeah, and yeah. on Instagram, wherever. Ari, yeah. thank you so much, man. This is always, always, always a pleasure. A pleasure always. With you. Yeah. Likewise. Thank cool. you. Right, Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. It is always a pleasure speaking with Ari. You know, he's, I don't know, this is probably his third, fourth time on the show. He knows so much. He's experienced it. He's lived it. You know, he's one of those guys who wants to actually do something before he talks about it. You know, yeah, he wants to key. he yeah. wants to work with a playlist company before he says do yeah. or don't. He wants well, to that's know the, the key. results. You just mentioned it. You know, he it's by experience. Yep. He's he's done these things. He's got a great article about independent distribution uh, through Ari's take that you should check out where he goes. He's had experiences with all of these different indie distributors so he can speak to their strengths and their weaknesses. And, you know, I, I love the conversation about best practices for growth on streaming services. And, you know, some of the things that he talked about as far as Instagram and Facebook, you're absolutely right. I have a lot of clients that will come to me and say, yeah, you know, I tried that. That didn't work. But when you dig underneath, it's like, well, you didn't really do it right. You didn't do it right. You, yeah, yeah. I, I can't tell you. I've seen so many clients. Again, they, they targeted, hey, I'm a musician, so I'm going to target anybody on Facebook who likes music. <laughs> right? They, they yeah. Should, okay, great. You, and, and, you know, in their, in their mind, they go, wow, it's an audience of 500 million people. This is going to be great. And then, then when I'm explaining to him why it didn't work, it's like, yeah, but, you know, again, you're an Americana artist. Music can include everything from Britney Spears to Blink-182 to jazz to classical. It's too broad. So why, why would you spend your money to put your ad in front of somebody who likes classical music? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I'll, I'll hold it up for those who are, you know, the, it's, how, how it's to, a big, how, thick book. How to Make It in the New Music Business by Ari Herstand. Yep. I I highly recommend it, and I don't recommend a ton of books, but there's so much experience. There's a knowledge base that he's drawing from in here. And like we said, you know, during the program, you know, just grab a yellow highlighter, sit down with a cup of coffee, and just go through the, you know, the sections that you want to learn more about and just grab that knowledge. It's there for you. Yep, yep. Um, so as always, we want to do a, uh, one final quick shout out to all of our awesome sponsors, hypebot.com, yeah. bands in town, Bandzoogle, disc makers. Thank you so much to all of you for everything you do to support the music biz weekly podcast and spread the word. Um, and as always, if you are watching us on YouTube, hit that little subscribe button. So you never miss another episode. And if you're on iTunes, we would really appreciate a review and a rating. It means a lot. It helps us in the world of iTunes. More ratings, more reviews means more exposure. Appreciate it. So it means a lot to us. So um, that's it. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We'll see everybody next week.